greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the pod bay doors, Al. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. The price is wrong, bitch. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And as always, it's your hosts, Patrick and Pat. We're happy to finally get back. We've taken a couple weeks off here, but we're going to also be taking a little bit longer break uh, here during the summer months just because of my normal job. It's going to get a little demanding. It's our busy time of the year. We took a little break this time last year, and I kind of fit in an episode here and there whenever I could fit it in. And I know I definitely want to review... Um, the Invisible Man with you at some point, but I know you haven't seen it yet. Uh, so for this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, Justice League and also the Snyder Cut. So before we get into all the stuff about the Snyder Cut, we're just going to straight up review Justice League, our thoughts on it, and then we're going to kind of get into the bigger discussion about uh, what the Snyder Cut means to fans, what um, kind of the reception is, and what kind of the observation of people who are for the Snyder Cut and people who are against the Snyder Cut uh, or director's cuts in general. So I don't know how how long we'll be on this one, but could turn into a long one. Who knows? So how's it going, Pat? Oh, it's going to be a nice break from horror because, I mean, we've probably done horror for a few weeks, weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just haven't really found anything. I mean, with, with the whole pandemic and, of course, now with, with uh, everything that's going on, it's the you know no movie theaters really being open except drive-ins and nearest drive-in for us is about like an hour away. Uh, although I I would like to go to one. Um, yeah, it's just been kind of what we've been watching on um, on uh, Amazon and Hulu and and all that stuff and Netflix. Uh, so it's just been pretty much predominantly horror. So it does switch it up a little bit. Definitely, and I think that. Uh going back into other stuff is going to make us a little more well-rounded. <laughs> well, that is the intent. I mean, we don't we don't want to just cover horror, especially when we get into October. That's probably definitely going to be a straight horror-focused month. Uh, not doing anything crazy like I did, like I did last year, but... What was uh, it? One a day? One a day. One a day for 31 days. So, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be more like one a week. <laughs> if even. If even. Uh, just depending on how... Gosh, who knows? I mean, the state of the world that we're in right now, who knows what's going to be in a couple months. Um, but yeah, Justice League. So Justice League is a very divisive film amongst comic book fans, movie fans, Zack Snyder fans. And um, there's a lot of stuff that surrounds this film, um, not not just even Justice League, Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, Suicide Squad, everything that DC has been trying to do 
um, to kind of model the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but do it with their characters, has always been met with kind of a higher level of scrutiny because they were a little late to the game. Um, they didn't quite think it could be done. And so once they saw the success of Avengers, they are like, OK, we need to do our version of it. And you and I both have been Zack Snyder fans, I think, since I first movie I saw of his was Dawn of the Dead remake. So uh, I he he won me over right there. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead, probably shortly followed by Watchmen. Watchmen and um, uh, Sucker Punch. I think you and I are both fans of Sucker Punch, and Definitely. we're probably like two of five people who like Sucker Punch. That, two of five that watched <laughs> Sucker Punch. There's that too. The two of five that probably actually understood what he was trying to do with Sucker Punch, at least, or to an extent. And I, there is one thing I will say, um, kind of a little preface to the whole Snyder Cut thing. His director's cuts are always better than what hits theaters. So I feel like when he has studio involvement, his initial vision definitely gets interrupted. And it's not portrayed the way he wants it to be portrayed. And again, a lot happened with Justice League with his uh, daughter committing suicide while working on it. Um, the studio not quite being thrilled that he had like a four hour movie uh, planned because it was originally going to be a two parter. Then uh, they were like, no, we want it down to one movie. So then he had to kind of rework things that way. Um, and then, of course, with with that unfortunate event in his family life uh, and Joss Whedon stepping in. And from what I understand, Joss Whedon was supposed to only finish shooting what he had done but ended up probably through the studio uh, was restructuring and rewrote a lot of scenes and reshot a lot of scenes to tell a completely different version of the movie. So I, I remember seeing it in theaters with my dad and uh, yeah, the CGI uh, no mustache for Henry Cavill was a little distracting. I think at a certain viewing angle, it, it's fine. But if you're if you're off center from a little bit, you you can tell. Um, but I, I do remember distinctly the opening scene with Batman, although I like some of the stuff that's in that scene, like him on the um, on that whatever perch and kind of how he is there. That looks great. Um, it didn't feel like Zack Snyder. Like it, it felt like Joss Whedon mm -hmm. and and definitely on my rewatch and, it, and I rewatched it a few times after it came out on home video. Like I saw it twice in theaters um, and when it came out on home video, I watched it a couple more times. And so I, I've had a bit of a break from it before, um, you know, watching all the other DC movies that have come out since. So coming back and revisiting it after the news of the Snyder Cut actually being real um, I wanted to, you know, rewatch re it and kind of see how I felt about it now a couple years after the fact. And I can say a lot now has changed for me where I can really pick out what is Zack Snyder and what is Joss Whedon. What do you did you get that similar kind of feel? Not really. I think that overall the movie holds up. I think that it gets way more shit than it deserves. I, I agree. Um, go ahead. But going back and watching, there's scene like there's very particular scenes that I really enjoy, mm -hmm. and I like ones that they've thrown that they threw in there, like seeing lanterns. Yeah, yeah. It, even though it's like a short clip, yeah, it was still cool to see. And I and I still think that that's 
that's initially part of Zach. Like that, that is, that is his, that's what he intended. Cause although we got Steppenwolf in that scene, that scene was originally supposed to have dark side. And so, and that's another thing also, um, you know, I, I agree that CGI wise, it, other than cyborg, who is the only complaint, um, for CG I have for this entire film, it, he just, it's, it's the way his suit looks, mm-hmm. the, the way it's all jagged. Um, I, I think cause when it, when it's at the end and it kind of shows him like coming up with a new body, it looks a lot better. It does. Um, but the, there's a lot of shit that the movie gets for Steppenwolf for his CG. And I was watching this on my, my 65 inch 4k Dolby vision, you know, everything. He only looks a slight step down from Thanos. In my opinion, facial features look good. There's lines, creases, eye movements look great. Everything looks great. I would say maybe his armor is probably what most people complain about or what they see as the bad CGI because that that metallic gray, I think, is what can really distinguish itself as bad CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree. Like the, overall, for what we got, it's still an enjoyable film. Um, I think it definitely toned down way too much from Batman v Superman. And I think that that's where the diehard fans of this movie really come in and they say that this isn't Zack's justice league because you, you watch Batman V Superman and you want to, you know, a lot of people give the shit for the Martha scene for that. And, and it's too dark and everything, but there are a lot of fans who like that. That distinguishes it from the Marvel movies. Uh, I like that. It kind of took the more gritty, realistic, uh, world and, and how everything was and, dark and how Batman was dark, but yet by the end of it, Superman was kind of that shining beacon that kind of brings back what made him Batman to begin with. Um, so, and that's always kind of how I look at, at the initial movies. Like he's not Superman until justice league, like at the end of justice league, not even the, you know, when he finally shows up back from the dead, um, that this was all kind of, Zack's plan to show how Superman becomes Superman because in the first and Man of Steel doesn't really care about collateral damage, not because he doesn't care about human life, but that he's going up against something that has the same power set as him. So he has never dealt with something on such a grand scale. Batman v Superman, we see it kind of more evolve and he's caring more about civilians and definitely by Justice League, he interrupts in the middle of the battle to be like, no, I got to go save these people. So I think that was his intent with Justice League, not necessarily with if it was still the two parts, but that it would have um, by the end of part two, he would be the Superman that we know from the comic books. Um, any thoughts on that? I don't want to be the only one talking <laughs> on, on the CGI or on the what, whatever, whatever you want to take, wherever uh, you want to go with I'll, that. I'll start with the CGI. OK, um, I think that a lot of it does hold up. Especially the underwater scenes. Yes, um, yes. Those were fantastic. And I think that it does a good job of portraying, like, the ocean as, like, dark and kind of gritty down yeah. there, too. Um, instead of, like, more light, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. But I think that overall, the other scenes um, later on in the movie... Uh, are a little bit worse for, like, the fight scenes. Um, just because when Superman does finally 
get powers back and he's just throwing Steppenwolf around. Yeah. So kind of a little bit off, in my opinion. But, yeah, I would agree. But they're still not bad. Right. It's not like you're going back to like 2000 no, not <laughs> animation. Not even going back, even though I still don't hate the CGI in Green Lantern, it's not even going back as bad as some of the stuff in Green Lantern. Which even that's 12 years ago now. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, now, for me, like, the again, the Joss Whedon stuff really stuck out as a sore thumb, and that was the kind of hokey humor, um, which is what I expect to see in a Marvel movie. <clears throat> so I, I, I don't mind it in Avengers or even Avengers Age of Ultron, even in Endgame and Infinity War. Like, I kind of expect that from the Marvel movies. Jon Favreau set it up with Iron Man, They've kind of emulated that through all the other movies. And even when they've tried to take more of a serious tone, except for Endgame and Infinity War, it, the more serious tone hasn't worked for them. Like Thor Dark World was trying to go the Man of Steel route, and it, it didn't quite work. Um, so I, I appreciate the fact that Marvel knows where its strengths are. Whereas with DC, I think their strengths were in their kind of seriousness. You could still have some dry dark comedy in there without it being kind of overdone but just like in the opening scene um when the criminal is shooting at him at batman and he shoots the uh the water tower and then of course it hits him in the face like i found that a little bit hokey the um uh although i like the line and i think that zach wrote that line um when superman is resurrected and he's got Batman, and he go, and he goes, "Tell me, do you bleed?" As a callback to Batman v Superman, and after he throws him, and everything's fine, and like Batman's just laying there, and he goes, "Oh yeah, something's definitely bleeding." I'm like, "Eh, that doesn't feel like Zach. That definitely feels like Joss." Um, I I think in that same scene when he just kind of like throws him after yeah. it's all over, that's probably Josh. Yeah, and probably a lot of the Flash stuff. Uh, maybe some of the humor, but I, I do think like that whole sequence, because um, like, I, again, the very stylistic bits of Justice League are definitely Zach because he's always been style. He may not. It, people might argue that he's the style versus substance type director. Um, I'm fine with it because like one thing I want to see is a very stylistic superhero movie. Uh, I want to see them use the extent of their powers. So I think that that initial thing with. Uh, when they're all kind of attacking Superman and Flash thinks he can get the, you know, go around on him and he's doing the run and Superman just slowly turns his head and Flash like, what the hell? I still feel like that's all Zack. But other things were still kind of not fitting right uh, for me. Like also the I, um, I don't not like you line near the end with Batman and Superman like that. Off. Yeah, it, it just it, it it doesn't work, and uh, so I I just felt like the these uh, Joss Whedon bits really stuck out this time more than the other times I've watched the movie, and I think that that's what a lot of people have complaint wise with Justice League uh, is that it's inconsistent in the tone that was set by the previous movies, and I think uh, part of it again was they had a different person ahead of the studio. I heard some rumors, don't know if this is true, because I like Jeff Johns, uh, at least his writing. I don't know him as a person, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, he was put as kind of the Kevin Feige of DC, and he had to step down. So I heard that there was kind of rumor that 
he was kind of involved in some of the problems with production on this and uh, the old uh, kind of the head of film. It's Walter Hamada is who it is now, um, whose first film was Aquaman, which like that was a good DC movie. I think it balanced the humor with kind of the seriousness very well. Um, and so I think if Walter Hamada had been in charge when Justice League was working or in works, we would have gotten a little bit different movie. Um, so as it stands, because I don't have anything to really say about the plot, the plot's pretty straightforward. I feel like it was meant to be more complex, um, obviously intended to be a two part film. So they had to rework things to kind of wrap it all up. Uh, I don't also going back to the Joss thing real quick too. uh, something that feels very Joss Whedon esque is the family. I don't like the family bit, the, uh, Ukrainian, Russian, whatever they are. Uh, it didn't fit. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't fit. Um, and it, it, it just it interrupts the flow of the movie. It it's, didn't really serve a purpose. No, other than like Flash saves them near the end. You know, it's like that's that's it. Nothing. Nothing else really comes of them. You know, it's not like it, those characters are important other than to be people on the ground seeing everything happen. Yeah. Um, so. uh Story wise, like I said, it, it just kind of it does everything uh, is definitely curtailed. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't quite reach the level of what I was expecting out of a Justice League movie. Am I happy we have a Justice League movie? Absolutely, because I love to finally see those characters like DC characters are my favorite. Like I might kind of say the MCU movies are a little bit better than the DC movies. But again, like I also make this argument too against the Marvel fanboys who want DC to fail, want Disney to buy DC so then they can make, you know, kid-friendly DC movies. What it, what purpose does it serve? And you might provide some insight on this. I don't know. I think you're going to agree with me. But what purpose does it serve for DC to fail? Who is differentiating their product uh, for the audience so that you get continuous, churned-out, kind of recycled premises recycled jokes the same product over and over and over again without anything to kind of finally vary up the taste does it serve a purpose uh i mean no but i think people just like making memes there's that too and honestly like they don't there's probably ones that don't even hate the movie that are just gonna hate on it just because they feel like being edgy exactly it's like almost every dc post i see on facebook uh even on Twitter, like there's some person that's going, Marvel's better. And it's, but then also there's DC people that do the exact same thing. Yeah. But I like to be able to critique both of them, their flaws, but still enjoy them. Exactly. Like I'd rather have more and differentiation and not all of them be perfect. than like, like Venom, Venom is not the typical, obviously it's Sony, but uh, it's not the typical MCU movie. And it's a also lot. not the typical Sony Spider-Man exactly. movie either. And and although it got kind of panned by critics, it was kind of a fun throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. So like, it, it just kind of had that feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it did a little bit more justice to the character. It's still kind of a weak, a little bit story-wise, but Tom Hardy, fantastic as Eddie Brock, and, and does a great job as Venom. Mm-hmm. Um and I really hope the kind of rumors that that's all going to still be integrated into the MCU will be great because I'd love to see his Venom go up against uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. 
So that's kind of the thing is like I sit here and I, I even comic book wise, like, you know, the people say DC comics are better than Marvel comics and vice versa. And one wants the other one to fail or, or absorb the other. What good does that do anyone? You want differentiation. You want it's like podcasts. If all podcasts were the same, why would you listen to a podcast? Content. Well, content, <laughs> but like if everyone's spilling out the same thing. Oh yeah, because it's then it's the same content. Exactly. <laughs> there's 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 no variation, uh, and that's kind of like the whole point with this podcast. What we try to set ourselves apart here is, uh, like you said, critique things, uh, but still, you know, point out what's also good about it. You know what what you liked about it by also pointing out the flaws. And still accepting that it's a movie, you know, or something or a video game. Like it doesn't have to be the most perfect video game. But if there are things that you enjoy about it, there are things you enjoy about it. And and I know people feel guilty for liking certain things. I'll admit it. I'm a guy in my 30s. I still watch Power Rangers. It's absolute trash. But hey, it's part of my childhood and I still enjoy it. You know, so I, I don't think I think people go around it the wrong way. And like you said, they're trying to be edgy boy. They're trying to be like, my, my opinion's better. And everyone else is just basement dwellers, you know? Yeah. Essentially, if you like any of the DC stuff, you are automatically like trash. Exactly. And that kind of goes in because um, I don't have anything else to really say about the movie. Uh, I, I still like it. I think Affleck, um, it's not Affleck's fault, but I think his Batman was uh, not as good as his performance in Batman v Superman. And that's because they tried to lighten him up because people complained he was too dark. Um, and I guess that's also something to kind of say about this, too, is because uh, that was a lot of the complaints. And we saw this a little bit with Deadpool when Deadpool came out. Parents complaining that this that those movies weren't kid friendly. Well, the point of these movies being made was they weren't made for kids. They were made for the adult versions of the kids who grew up on the characters. And although that's what you have the cartoon shows for, you know, that's what you have the comic books. Even the comic books go dark. Oh, yeah. We've seen it with just uh, Death of the Family or something like that, or even uh, Death in the Family when Jason Todd's brutally murdered by Joker. You know, that was 80s. So, like, that was before my time, and yet I read the story growing up. It wasn't necessarily meant for me, but I still enjoyed it. Um, so I think that that's where the studio took the hard line with it was, no, we've got to we've got to appease these people to to, uh, you know, make it more kid friendly, get more money. in, And instead, they end up pissing off all the other fans who liked where the direction it was going in. Um, so as for a, a score for the film, I'm just going to land on a solid three. Um, it's got flaws. But will I watch it again? Absolutely. Will I watch it again after the Snyder Cut comes out? It's going to be up in the air because we don't quite know what impact the Snyder Cut will have on the future of the DCU, EU, rather. Um, Because they already said they weren't, there was no Snyder Cut. And if there were, it would, they would never release it because it wouldn't fit in the plans that they had for the other movies going forward. Everything that they have in in pre-production and stuff like that. I don't know because flash keeps getting put off. I'm not expecting a flash movie until I'm 60 um, at this point, because Ezra Miller keeps taking other projects and with his current situation right now, we don't know what's going to happen with flash. 
Uh, Wonder Woman is doing its own thing, which I think is fine. Oh, yeah, um, I, I don't mind Wonder Woman 84 when that comes out. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do to catch her up to the present. Aquaman worked fine. Shazam worked fine. Um, I thought, and I, and I like Suicide Squad. I, I, it's Again, it's one that got hampered. I know David Ayer is now kind of launching a campaign to release his cut of the film, um, which would be very interesting because that was going to go more darker tone, more Joker scenes. Um, he was going to be more the kind, not the absolute villain, but he was going to have more of a role. Um, Birds of Prey, which we haven't reviewed yet. You and I are a little bit split on that one. Um, so we'll have to cover that here at some point. It's it's not great, but it's also not horrible. But I think you're on the, on the horrible <laughs> end. Uh, so there's a little preview for when we cover Birds of Prey. Uh, definitely wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't great, but I still enjoyed parts of it. Story, story-wise, it, it's a mess. But um, So I don't know what Snyder Cut will do affecting the DCU moving forward, especially with uh, Affleck is out as Batman, Robert Pattinson doing, you know, his Batman movie. Uh, Henry Cavill still in limbo right now. Um, God knows what he's well, going to do. There's a new rumor out. Uh, they Well, they released the news first, and then they came back and they said, nah, this hasn't happened yet. Apparently back in talks with Warner Brothers to be more kind of like the Hulk in the MCU where he won't have a solo film per se, but he will show up in other movies. Fair enough. Which which could work, but I do want to see more Superman folk. We have not even scraped the surface of Superman villains. We haven't done Brainiac, Parasite. Uh, we finally got Zod. We haven't even seen him really go up against a great Lex Luthor. Like, as much as Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor from the Donner films is great, it's not really Lex Luthor a whole lot. And uh, I felt like at the end with the little tea scene uh, with Deathstroke, who looked freaking amazing, mm-hmm. um, we were finally starting to see Jesse Eisenberg as really Lex Luthor. And so I really kind of wanted to see where that was going. But I will take it uh, if that's the case. So what 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 score do you give this? I, I'd say three and a half. Okay. I, I know one of the main critiques that people give is that Oh, Superman's just going to come in and do everything anyways. But, I mean, obviously that's the plot. Right. It's it's just the plot. Like, you, you're not going to get Steppenwolf without him being dead, and Steppenwolf's not going to be able to handle him being alive. Exactly. So, like, everyone knows what's going to happen, but it still plays out well. And I think that with the Snyder Cut, having Darkseid be, like, in scenes is going to change the feel. Yeah. And it's going to change how people might see the movie. Hopefully I I do too. Um, and I, and I really kind of hope if we can't, um, if we get the Snyder cut and it's done, like he intended it to be as a first part, um, obviously they're not going to probably make part two. Uh, but if they could at least do, part two as their DC animated movies. Just get the cast to come back and voice themselves. Cause it's not going to be difficult to do that. I, I wouldn't think it'd be difficult for them to come and just do voice work for three weeks uh, while they have animators work on it. And so we can see where Zach's vision intended to go. Um, because from my understanding, the whole nightmare sequence from Batman V Superman, we were going to get there. 
And it was all going to be involved around sending Barry back to Bruce to kind of show that Lois was who they needed to save to prevent this from happening, um, which we meant we would have seen uh, a resurrected Superman who would not have been on their side, which they did in the Superman animated series. There's a whole episode where Darkseid corrupts Superman and they come to Earth and it takes a lot of work to get him back. Um, so next thing I kind of want to talk about is when news of or rumors of the Snyder Cut existing, what were your thoughts? Uh, that he was hoarding it in his basement and watching it alone. So you didn't have any <laughs> any doubts that he had something? I mean, every movie has scenes that either don't end up in the movie, they get cut, they get scrapped, whatever. Like, every movie has that. Mm-hmm. So, like, to think that... He has a cut of scenes that he particularly liked and never got a chance to like put into the movie. It's not like far fetched by any means. And, and uh, one of the things that kind of annoyed me the most because I was I was never really vocal about it. I totally believed it. Uh, I have seen enough Zack Snyder films. We've seen enough of his extended cuts to know he always shoots more than what ends up in the theatrical release. I mean, Watchmen. I was just taking a look at it last night with the black freighter stuff added into it uh, is three hours and 35 minutes long. Um, the rumor for this Snyder cut is that it will be between three to four hours, which is why they might release it as six episodes, which I really don't want them to do that. Why? I To make it easier to consume, but I, I'm sorry. I'm one who can sit there and watch the whole three hours. I mean, I've done it with Lord of the Rings Um, you know it's watching a couple Harry Potters together watching Harry Potters heck I just watched all five Transformers movies actually six because including Bumblebee six Transformers movies just within the past week uh, or so you know and that's two and about two and a half hours per movie except for Bumblebee Bumblebee's under two hours they do two Mark Wahlberg ones Uh, yes yes I might have not seen the other one. It's not bad. I, I, that was when I got into an argument with someone on uh, on the internet with, and that's kind of what birthed this podcast idea a little bit. But it's just robots fighting. Right. And people <laughs> like, kind of can't... What <laughs> And along with the kind of this, this sense with Justice League, this kind of is related. Um, what is wrong with entertainment that is meant to entertain versus lecture? You know, if I'm going to some art house film, I'm expecting something with fancy writing, with a message it's trying to convey. When I'm going to a Michael Bay Transformers movies, I'm expecting fighting robots and explosions. You don't want uh, Optimus Prime being like, we destroyed our planet, don't destroy yours. No, they did that enough in the PC, P, uh, PSAs on the cartoon show. So. Yeah. <laughs> and which reminds me, because I, I, HBO Max is out now, and I, of course I'm subscribed to it. I was, re, I was watching the first episode of uh, uh, Robot Chicken, mm-hmm. and one of the things is Optimus Prime getting uh, prostate cancer. And the whole thing ended up being a PSA because <laughs> robots don't have prostates. But it was nice. it just that just that reminded me of it. But <laughs> I got it. I was I, I was upset because um, a page I follow on Facebook, uh, I'd highly recommend uh, checking them out. High Def Digest. They do really good um, reviews of 4Ks and Blu-rays and, and, and everything. They're they are very good. But when Transformers Last Night came out, they I didn't even really read their full review because their title said enough to me was 
they're not going to stop making them unless you stop seeing them. And to me, that seems so antithetical to film and to expression that um, I kind of wrote a comment on there. Because you know me, I don't pick fights online at all. Just not that way. Um, And I was like, you know, that's very disingenuous telling people not to go see a movie because you don't like it. And they responded back. And they said, well, we didn't say that. And I'm like, well, you, you technically you did in, in the name of this post. I said, I like you guys. I'm still going to follow you guys. But, uh, you know, there are people who enjoy them. And those people shouldn't be belittled for enjoying those films. Uh, just because you don't like it and you're welcome to express that opinion. Live long day. I get it. Michael Bay's an asshole. He doesn't make anything of substance, just like Zack Snyder. Um so never mind i did see that one yeah <laughs> and um it just uh so i and and they kind of replied back like fair enough you got a point and then i had someone come back and say mindless entertainment only entertains the mindless and i'm like did you not see like i wrote out like a four paragraph thesis argument about what why that you know is wrong <laughs> And I even wrote another comment back, and and they never responded. I'm like, see previous comments, right? Like, <laughs> it's like when when you just dismiss something. One, if you're also discounting it, and you're discounting everybody who worked on that project. Same with Justice League. I love that Zach is getting everyone back from the visual effects crew, um, and, and on to work on the on finishing this cut up, and I think that's great. That's an honor. That's uh, him honoring them with with coming back and finishing the work that they intended to put out. It's jobs. It's not just the actors who, yes, I do think are overpaid for just acting on screen. I'm not going to lie there. The real heroes behind the screen are the people who uh, edit edit, uh, the the visual effects artists, the CGI artists, uh, cinematographers, sound designers, sound editors. Everyone else, the entire crew that works on that movie, by you invalidating the work that they're working on, you're telling them that they didn't deserve any money for what they did, essentially. I mean, that's not exactly what you're saying, but that's how I interpret it. And I think everyone who works on something, who's putting their all into it, deserves some recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I'm I'm really excited for the Snyder Cut, as we've seen with... And it's not just been Zack Snyder. So there have been plenty of other director's cuts. And, like, people who... So as soon as they announced it, they go, oh, so it's just going to be more garbage. Why would anyone watch this? So it's, and it's, again, all the people who just were proven wrong, who've been saying no Snyder Cut exists, are now having to come out and go, well, it's just going to be more trash. Well, you don't know it. You haven't seen the final product yet. How can you predetermine? And, like you said, they're going to watch it. They, they are. Just so then they can bitch about it. Um, They're going to say the scenes didn't add any substance. Right. It's just more action or it's just more lines. Like, well, there are whole characters that got cut out of it. Ryan Choi, uh, who is who is Adam currently, was it has has a scene. Um, you know, that, like I said, Darkseid has has a, a scene in a flashback. Um, they I'm teased. pretty sure Willem Dafoe was supposed to have a bigger role. Willem Dafoe was supposed to show up for Aquaman. Um, and here, see if I'm saying her name right. Clemens, who was playing, supposed to, who knows, whenever they get the Flash movie up and running, uh, Iris West was in it as well. 
um, he saves her from a car accident. Mm. And um, I've seen, and a lot of people have seen that kind of unfinished scene. I, I know I just recently saw it up on Facebook too. Um, but we, there have been other cuts of films that people actually prefer. Hell, you mentioned it, Lord of the Rings. The extended cuts are, even though the theatrical uh, cuts are fine, they were great mm-hmm. movies seen them in the theater. The extended cuts are so much better. Fuck, are they long? They are long. <laughs> they are long, but they're so worth it. They are so oh. worth it. And um, even going back to Superman Two, the Donner cut, the Donner cut of Superman Two is far better than Superman Two. Um, and because other scenes, just that exposition, context, things that were more fleshed out, that then a studio says, "Nah, you know, it's, it's this isn't going to work." The one that kind of comes the most, because a lot of people go, it's just going to be the same movie. It can't be a different movie. It's not going to happen. I got one example for you, at least just one example. Halloween 6. I, even though I'm unashamed of being a fan of Halloween 6. You're digging deep here. I am digging deep. Paul Rudd's first movie, too. (laughs) Um, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Even though it's a dumpster fire of a film, the theatrical cut, I still enjoy it to an extent. And then when I heard about the producer cut, I think you managed to snag me a digital copy of it before they actually released it. I watched that film. Far better film. Far better film because it it does the whole cult of Thorn differently. Uh, Jamie is given uh, more scenes, more context with, with her character. Uh it is a far better film, more importance to Donald Pleasance in that movie, um, although he died shortly after it. That producer cut of Halloween 6 is far, far better than the theatrical cut and a completely different movie because it deals more with the supernatural, whereas the theatrical cut just still kind of keeps it human organized uh, or focused. So people who are out there saying... And it ain't going to be any different. They don't know what they're talking about. Again, haven't seen the final product, so they don't know what story beats have been changed, what character moments have been changed. There was rumors that Supergirl was going to be in it, or at least because I remember maybe. Well, if you remember the particular scene in the trailer, uh, he Bruce is looking at like a hologram and it looks like Superman. But you're not seeing the whole picture, and the leg is too thin to be like Henry Cavill's leg. Mm-hmm. And it's already kind of been, you know, speculated that uh, the crash ship that uh, Superman goes to in Man of Steel, there's an open pod, and that is intended to have been Supergirl's pod, and she got out, and so she's just living around in the world. So how great would it be to see a tease of her character? When um, the whole scene of uh, Alfred working on the car and then hearing a noise and turning around and goes, okay, oh, good, you've arrived, was supposed to be Superman and either Martian Manhunter or Green Lantern. So who knows? Because they're not going to be able to do everything that he wanted to do with it for this this final cut. But who knows what we're going to see in the final product? And I wonder what... It's probably going to be how if they did include him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you never know. Right. We don't know um, if it would be uh, John Stewart, of how, or even because they've already confirmed General Swanwick is Martian Manhunter. 
And, like, how great would that have been to see? Like, I would have loved to have seen Martian Manhunter on the big screen. And it would have made more sense with his Unite the Seven, um, because that's the whole Justice League and everything. We would have seen potentially a completely different movie had... I would have been fine. Had Warner Brothers been like, okay, Zach's had a death in the family, we're going to postpone the film for another six months. Six months to a year. I think they would have had a good reception with that. And I, honestly, it probably would have turned out better. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was thinking about scenes that have been cut from movies that, like, are very, very small. And mm. I, I thought of one in particular. I am probably going to butcher the movie that it was supposed to be at the end of, end of because they have just so many of them. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Wolverine. Oh, yeah. The end scene that they cut from it. With him in the costume. Yes. Yes. And yes. So, for anyone that doesn't know, it was him getting the costume for X-Men. <laughs> and from what, I'm underst- what I understand of that, although I don't know how true it is, because I think James Mangold has come out and said something else about why he wasn't wearing his costume, when it went to a test audience, none of the test audience knew what that was. Which blows I my find mind. hard to believe, but also I've got to remember... There are a lot of, for lack of a better term, a lot of normies who watch comic book movies who don't read, watch anything comic books, like cartoons or or the comic books themselves. So I can find it a little feasible, um, but yeah, it it, it just blows my mind. And um, speaking of Invisible Man earlier, uh, I watched one of the deleted scenes because I remember the scene from the trailer. It would have been a good scene for them to keep in is um, Elizabeth Moss's character is sitting in a room and she's looking at a chair and she's going, someone's in that chair. And there's this heightened level of suspense and going, oh, oh shit, is someone actually in that chair? Uh, and, and then, of course, Aldous Hodge, uh, his character, goes over and sits in the chair and they're like, okay, no one's there. But like, there's a thing, your heart gets pumping and you're going, oh my God, oh my God, is someone there? Are they going to find whoever the Invisible Man is or whatever? Mm-hmm. And... I don't get why that scene was cut out. It's already a two-hour movie, which was way too long for it. But uh, there were far other scenes I would have cut out of that film other than that chair scene. Um, but even, again, director's cuts that change movies. Kevin Smith's Mallrats, his extended cut, which is two hours long. It's a completely different movie with all those other scenes added into the film. Yeah. Just change it. Yeah, the outcome's still the same at the end of it, but you see things in a different light. And there's lines in the regular movie that don't, Makes, makes sense. sense because you're like uh, it sounds like it's just an inside joke like there's a callback right because like the whole thing with the beginning of the cut director's cut one is like the whole thing at the the uh shooting of a musket or something yep. and they make a callback to it in the in the in the theatrical cut and you're like wait what yeah <laughs> when did this happen like what i don't get it but yeah it, it's just one of those things where i i think uh, should studio have some form of involvement in their projects? Yes, I do think so. It, it should they have a little bit of a leash on their directors? Yes, because sometimes you can get a director who's just going, I'm going to throw everything in there and just fuck all, you know? Um, and do you have a particular one in mind? Uh, counter to that? Yeah. Um, I think that directors should sometimes be given full 
authority, uh, and I think the Mandalorian shows that. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, there was some involvement of Captain Kennedy. Small, but 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 Very some there. Um, God, I hate that woman. I don't like to hate people, but I do not like her. Uh, but, but, and, but she does such a good job. No, <laughs> no she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, they do a good job. Because right. uh, you just mentioned that, not to sidetrack from this episode of the podcast, but I heard a, a thing. I don't know how true it is. I didn't read the article because I thought it was clickbaity. They want to reveal that Boba Fett is a woman in season two of The Mandalorian. What is wrong with them? First off, they just recast Tamora Morrison to play Boba Fett in season two of The Mandalorian. Second of all, we've seen Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones. He's had a, well, granted, it's a voice code or whatever you want to call it in uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Sounds like a man. Clone Wars series. They're clones. He's a man. What I, I again sure was a clickbaity title, and it was just someone we got this covered as a trash someone fire that, organization. Someone, someone that covers Doctor Who usually, uh, possibly trying to do Star Wars. It didn't work out for him. It just oh my gosh, that just blows my mind. But yes, I I I think that there needs to be some level of control, but also I think you need to let the director do what they intend to do. I also think Zach should have been able to finish this movie finish his cut and not do a test audience to execs do a test audience of actual people and fans and then see what they think you're going to get a better gauge of what worked for them and what didn't work um when like because that's what's really plagued the dc movies when we saw less of it in aquaman we saw less of it in shazam uh, we even saw less of it in, in Wonder Woman because um, Patty Jenkins wasn't going to take shit from anybody. She took it from from the people at, at, at Marvel and left Thor 2 when they were originally making Thor 2. So let these uh, I wouldn't want someone um, to kind of come in like it's it's the Edgar Wright thing. Edgar Wright originally working on Ant-Man. I think Ant-Man, although I like what we got with Peyton Reed um, directing it. I think Ant-Man would have been a completely different movie had Edgar Wright, who did the test screen footage, like, just on his own, and then it, it won so many people over. They go, okay, fine, you're going to come in, you're going to direct um, direct Ant-Man. Oh, we don't like what you're doing with Ant-Man. Bye-bye. Same with uh, Chris Lord and Phil Miller uh, on Solo. Kathleen Kennedy didn't like what they were doing. Lawrence Kasdan didn't like what they were doing with it. Bye-bye. So then we get in Ron Howard, we rush a whole new film, and now it's a okay Star Wars movie. Ant-Man and the Wasp, I feel like, only had one purpose. <laughs> to uh, fit into uh, Endgame? Yeah. Basically. Like, honestly, that movie's very forgetful. It, it's, <laughs> it's fun, but it, it suffers from problems with... Um, we wanted to see more giant man and they just decided to joke too much with a malfunctioning suit and okay, we're going to give you a cool villain, but Hey, she's not really a villain. So, but Hey, she's not a villain. And also you're never going to see her <laughs> basically. <laughs> oh yeah. We're going to cure. Her. So blah, blah. Like the, the really kind of cool thing is the, uh, the microcosm scene when, when Michael Douglas mm. is going down there. Uh, but other than that, you're, you're right. Um, it, it's, it's just an okay, 
okay flick it's still better than Captain Marvel um but yeah I, I think when you're getting in there and a director has a certain vision mm-hmm. you kind of let them do that now granted again it could be a complete trash fire and that's when you go okay hey can we retool a few things here and there um and and we'll we'll fix this here and there one person who I think who screwed up his own his own works is Ridley Scott um, because Prometheus was a completely different movie than what we got um, from the original writer. It was going to have the, the xenomorphs in it and everything. The engineers, all that was going to be there. Uh, Ridley Scott was like, no, I want to tell this kind of 2001 A Space Odyssey story. So we're going to bring in Damon Lindelof to write a whole bunch of questions that we're never going to answer because lost, you know, and then it got a kind of mixed reception. I mean, it's still a very good movie. I do like how it's kind of a 2001 A Space Odyssey, but I did want to see some xenomorphs in it. And it also didn't, it doesn't follow up well, because like, then you watch Alien Covenant, and then it just feels weird. That's my next point. So, (laughs) since it got so many complaints about not having xenomorphs and everything, really Scott goes, all right, fine. We're going to, we're going to follow it up with alien covenant and we're going to disregard everything we set up. Now you have the people who, who have rewatched Prometheus time and time and go, okay, actually I really like this. It's very philosophical. I, I want to know more about the engineers. I want to know what did we do as a race that they created to want, cause them to want to destroy us. And you threw it out the window and it's like, now nah, we're just going to kill all the engineers and we're going to, you know, do something weird with Michael Fassbender kissing himself and and uh, creating a puppet little xenomorph that it's not the same as like what we get with, you know, Alien. Yeah, it's very in- inconsistent. I, I do want to see him follow it up so that he can get it done and then we can maybe see Neil Blomkamp's uh, vision of Alien because he had a really good... Uh, follow-up that would have disregarded Alien 3, which I still kind of like, and even Alien Resurrection, which I still kind of like, which Joss Whedon wrote, even though it's a dumpster fire of a movie. It's not always good. That's all I can say. Buffy will be his highest work, and Firefly under that, Avengers under that, and then it all kind of goes downhill (laughs) afterwards. But... um, so, yes, as, as we've seen with other films, and I hope we've provided you with a lot of different examples, director's cuts or, or anything that um, directors have that, that get kind of put on the cutting room floor can change a movie, can change your entire perception of a film. And I'd highly recommend, if you're not familiar with the Donner Cut, check out the Donner Cut. If you're not familiar with the producer cut of Halloween 6, check it out. If you're not familiar with even the ultimate cut of Watchmen or the uh, extended cut of Sucker Punch, because Sucker Punch, I, I remember um, I, I worked at the movie theater during the time I came out and having a, a debate with a girl I worked with who was just like, oh, it was just it was just eye candy for men. And I'm like, not really. Did I think you really you, watched the movie. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> you, you want to talk about feminist film? That entire movie is a feminist film. Yeah, there might be some eye candy moments, but it's all about female empowerment. So, you know, when when we give it to you, you guys can't accept it. And then when you force it on people, you wonder why they can't accept it. But the Sucker Punch uh, extended cut 
uh, R-rated cut because it should have been an R-rated film in the first place is a completely different movie uh, than than what we got in the theaters. And I think it provides a whole new different perspective. Even Dawn of the Dead, the uh, unrated cut for that, adds more scenes into it, makes it a little more gruesome. It, it, it just... We've seen that Zack is best when left to his own devices in putting in everything he imagined in the film. At least from what I've seen. For me, it's been a perfect track record. I think the, the ultimate cut of The Watchmen is is a fantastic piece of cinema as good as an adaptation that you can do of a comic book material panels almost line up with scenes from the screen yeah they changed the squid but hell it's better than the hbo show which i've you know i don't tell (laughs) well you know i i i don't tell you not to watch i don't tell anybody not to watch something i would almost say don't watch this unless you are of a seat for yourself yeah, it is a see for yourself. Um, if you're of a like, particular... Like, destroyed this type thing? Yeah. Um, I can't say anything else because I'll get us in trouble. Uh, but but anyways, uh, if you're of a particular political slant, which we try to be apolitical here on the, on the podcast, you will enjoy it. But if you're a person who's also a fan of the subject material, and you, if yes, I've seen the arguments... Oh, Watchmen's always has always been political. Yeah, it has, but it never denounced one particular side, which the show immediately does from the get-go. It destroys the character of Rorschach. It destroys the character of Dr. Manhattan. destroys the character of Hooded Justice, in my opinion, because they just completely throw away what Alan Moore wrote. You know, it, it, just, it just destroys it. And... Um, and I'm sure I'm going to get some comments about that, but that that particular comment. But whatever. I watched every episode. Ozymandias, they ruined his character. Um, the only one that was good was the older Lori uh, Silk Spectre. She was fine. Um, they created um, oh, I can't remember his character's name, but Tim Blake Nelson's character. They have one whole episode that focuses on him. Best damn episode. It's the only episode out of it that I really liked. And uh, the rest of it, I suffered. <laughs> watching through eight eight episodes of it glad it's not renewed it ended fine doesn't need to be a multi-season show don't ruin Watchmen. so too late well yeah too late i can ignore it i mean i can't ignore it so uh well people would say dc ruined Watchmen by doing before Watchmen, which i haven't read all of it but i, I enjoyed what i had read um yeah they were actually pretty decent so um any any other thoughts? I know I've been ranting more than you, but uh, do you have any rants you want to go on? I, I feel like even though you didn't like it, it's probably going to end up on that shelf. Uh, what? Watchmen. No, actually, it's not. No. No, it's not. You're not going to buy it? I'm not going to buy it. Because I, I, I refuse to acknowledge it as a sequel to either the comic book. It's definitely not a sequel to the movie. It's, it's straight up a, a sequel to the comic book. Uh Although, yeah, it shows the squid and everything, which that's really cool. Um, there is not enough salvageable. And you know me, I can find things to really enjoy about crappy stuff. There was not enough salvageable for me. I might buy the one episode of Tim Blake Nelson. Find a way to buy one episode. Well, voodoo. Oh, you, can, okay. you can buy an individual uh, Amazon. You can buy individual episodes. Uh, but yeah, I won't end up on that shelf as a full season. I might do it with Doctor Who, but that's because I'm too invested in Doctor Who. <laughs> so 
I, I, I know I've got stuff on that show. Hell, I've got sitting over here in the chair the entire 12 film Puppet Master series. And Lord knows there's a bunch of trash in that series, but God, I love them. I, I do. I love full moon features. Any horror franchise that goes on longer than like three or four movies ends up getting trashed. Well, the set, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Friday the 13th, some of the later ones are still enjoyable. I will even say that with Nightmare on Elm Street, and I, I might catch some hate for this. I love Freddy's Dead. I do. Uh, I, it is it is a bonkers film, but it I just love it. I really do. So, no, but Watchmen season one or whatever, complete season, not in and up the, on there. The series. The series. <laughs> yes, I did just buy freaking three seasons of, uh, or three complete series of Transformers cartoons just recently. So, uh, and... Although I've not been a huge fan of some of the animation, I've been watching those and enjoying it. I got Reboot over here. I got uh, I got a whole bunch of stuff. But no, uh, I'm sorry. Watchmen, the series, will not end up on that shelf. Does it maintain a level of darkness to it that we had in the movie? Or does it like do its own thing? I'm not one to say this a whole lot. It's almost too dark. Yeah? Yeah. It is almost too dark. Because even... Though Watchmen in of itself is dark, Very. there's still a glimmer of hope. At you know, the whole point is to save the world from mass destruction. Yeah. Whether you agree with the motivations or why Ozymandias is doing the spoilers, if you haven't seen Watchmen or read Watchmen, um, I don't care if you get spoiled. Well, that's, <laughs> watch Watchmen. Right, exactly. <laughs> Who watches the Watchmen? We watch Watchmen. Um, it, it does have a little bit glimmer of hope, the, the movie and the comic. There really wasn't that there in the show. Um, and like I said, it just disregards character development. It disregards the history. It, it just, it was intended to please people who aren't even fans and like that's the biggest problem we're seeing right now and, and i would say that the snyder cut falls into that as well is uh like because here's here's the big thing people are upset that fans won that fans who have been demanding for not demanding but have been vocal about it and yes i've seen some of the stuff that has been negative from the the snyder cut people i don't condone it i don't believe in it just like i don't believe in the people who uh then demean people who want the snyder cut I think that's wrong, but um, I got to remember where I was going with that thought. It was <laughs> so complicated there. Um, if you can't pick up where you where you where, where I've lost off, off. I, I got something to add. Well, go ahead. Maybe I'll come back to so, it. So, with getting the Snyder cut, mm -hmm. fans wanted it. That okay? Yeah, you brought fans me back to where it. I was. You know what else fans wanted? Sonic did not look like a furry. <laughs> and that's another thing. You know, here... Why here, was it... Okay? Yeah, why... So that, that's a good point to bring up because I've seen a lot of people go, this is the first time fans have won. Snyder Cut. No. First time fans have won. No. Sonic is the instance of, of, of a studio, of a film crew, listening to fan reception. That first trailer, I, I, to, I, I would have told you. I might have told you. I wasn't going to see the Sonic. I, I might have gone to see the Sonic movie. Or I would have waited it for it to come up on one of my many <laughs> subscriptions um, before watching it. Because that did not look like Sonic. It looked complete garbage. 
So the reception it got amongst the fans, they listened. Mm-hmm. And they delayed the movie, and they redesigned the character. Now, I don't think it's right, because from what I understand, the company that did the redesign, um, I, th- I think they got paid, but then they got fired. Really? Like, after they finished it. And I don't agree with that. So, because they put in all this extra work and all this crunch time, who knows how many millions of dollars involved in, in, in redoing that. But when the movie came out, the fans repaid that. They repaid that consideration to the movie studio, to the filmmaker, so much so they're getting a sequel now. It's just announced. Sonic became a 10 times... It probably would have been about the same had he looked the way he is story-wise but it would have the movie wouldn't have worked it would have drawn away from it would have been too distracted with the original design exactly and so that's the thing so when you're saying this sets a dangerous precedent um well here's the thing who do the studios make their money from consumers consumers and fans so when you have an instance, and, and I believe that this has been reflected in other products like uh, Doctor Who, Star Wars, um, uh, Star Trek even, uh, when they're changing things or, or catering to particular groups that, again, don't care. Like, they, they can be vocal, sure. Anyone on Twitter can be vocal. But they don't buy it. They don't go out and see it. They don't play it. So the best thing to do... Now, should you always kowtow the fans? Absolutely not. But when you have a director who says, I've got a cut of my movie. I want to release it. I want to work a deal out. And this is what I've been saying all along. Warner Brothers would have been stupid. They have a win-win situation here. One... By announcing that it's streaming on HBO, uh, that it'll be streaming on HBO Max next year, they're going to get a lot more subscribers. Mm-hmm. Two, if the movie is garbage, like people seem to think it's going to be, some people, not all people, they can go see. We knew better. This is why we didn't release this in theaters. So you have appeased the Snyder Cut fans, but you've also shown this is why we made the changes we made. They still make money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what it comes down to. And I mean, they wouldn't do it if they weren't going to make money. Right. So, I mean, well, and, and it's going to cost a purported a little bit over more now, 30 million dollars to finish up the rest of the film. They're going to get that in subscribers. I'm sorry. Like they may not be long term subscribers, but they will get people in for they'll, that initial month. month. Yeah, they'll do a month. They'll do a month. Uh, they might save a seven day free trial, but. Sorry, they'll do two months yeah, because they're gonna forget to cancel. <laughs> that's that's also probably true. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just one of those things where I looked at it and I'm going, how does Warner Brothers lose by releasing it? They don't. They really don't. I mean, they might lose some money on the on the short end, but they will actually have people who go, okay, the studio knows better. Mm-hmm. And so when they say, hey, we're stepping in, we're doing some reshoots, we're changing things up a little bit, you're going to have a better reception to that than, okay, well, we never got to see Snyder's Cut, you know. It's just, and in the day and the age we live now, it's like, hell, he could have taken 10 years to finish it. 
on his own, on his own money, own dime, everything. And then he could have released it on Vimeo or YouTube. In all honesty, I mean, probably, probably not. <laughs> he probably would have had a lawsuit, but there would have been a way for him to get it out there. There really was. Even if he had just done clips, snippets. New screener. Yeah, new screener. <laughs> Got plenty of those, I'll tell you. Um, heck, private screenings, you know? So... hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things when you come down to the end of the day. Um, I don't know why people are so upset. And, I mean, I saw it on Twitter as soon as it was announced. Verified people non-verified people this is dangerous we shouldn't allow fans to have this much power we we can't do this and i don't i don't get that concept because again who's going to give the studios their money fans have all the power they have the power honestly, to pay for all the shit they have the power to not pay for shit exactly <laughs> consumers have all the powers why do you think gillette's tanks uh stock tanked after their ill-fated commercial because that's targeted towards men and you just ticked off a whole lot of men, whether <clears throat> right or wrong, I'm not going to say that they were wrong in their commercial or if they were right in their commercial. Um, you just no, you, ticked off. You just got to know your audience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think that there's a lot less of that going on right now. I think Naughty Dog is kind of in that state right now with Last of Us 2. That's why I haven't looked at any of the leaks. Everyone's reporting on the leaks of Last of Us 2 and, and complaining about stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm staying away from it. I love the first one. I want to go into this blind. And then if I have problems, then I have problems. Yeah, it's You're going to get there anyways. It's maybe me being a stupid consumer because um, the best consumer is the one who's well-informed. But I, that's something where if I'm informed on the product, I know everything that happens in it. So it's like I'd rather discover it on my own versus... You know, and, and most times I do do reviews. I follow reviews before I purchase a game. But um, it's just one of those things where, yeah, the people might be right, but I've got to experience it myself. Because, mm-hmm. again, when it comes to if I'm going to comment on it, I'm commenting on it from my personal experience with it versus, hey, you told me this was a piece of trash. So I'm going to tell everyone else this is a piece of trash. That's why I didn't, uh, I know I told you, but I didn't want to tell you my thoughts on The Invisible Man because I didn't want it to affect your viewing. Of course, you haven't watched it yet, but. Nor will it affect it. You're one of the few people I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable with that. Uh, but again, like that's the level of, of caution I take. Like whenever we do these reviews, whenever we talk about these things, we could be wrong. I know a lot of people are not going to like my opinion of Invisible Man. I can tell you that right now. Um, I'm not saying that their view of it is is inaccurate. I'm never going to discount somebody for that. I and mean, I'm not going to say or have somebody take what I say and go without seeing the thing and go, yes, this is a garbage film. It all ties together here with the Snyder Cut stuff. Like you're you're prejudging before you've seen it. What good does that do? Nothing. <laughs> All right, so I think we're at final thoughts. I think I've expressed all my final thoughts. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Any things you want? Anything oh, else you want to say? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> I think that's about it. I think, I think overall, like we provided enough examples of extended cuts that are worth ch- worth checking out. Also, Absolutely. Also, watch Sucker Punch because you probably have. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend it, and also watch the the R rated version. Um, Because it is better. All right, guys. So 
like I said at the beginning of the show, I think we're going to take a, a short little break, um, but there is a great big uh, back catalog of episodes uh, for you guys to listen to on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Um, we really appreciate everybody sticking around. We're just entering in the busy time of my my current nine to five job. So it, it's a little harder to find time to schedule uh, recording sessions, but don't worry, we'll be back probably in August and uh, actually not probably not the first two weeks of August, maybe a little bit after August because you got a little something big going on in August. So, um, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, so uh, if you aren't already following us, you can follow us on Twitter at Critics NT Cynics. Uh, you can write into the podcast at Critics Not Cynics at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us also on iTunes, Podbean. Uh, we're trying to get some of our numbers up, so uh, be willing to share out with some friends who you think might be interested in, in the podcast. Also, if you don't mind you know, leaving us a rating and a review, um, we do want to do some shout-outs for some audience members here in the future. So I do want to uh, shout out um, two of my UK friends on Twitter, um, Alyssa and of course I don't know her husband's name because his name's just Crispy Hurricane on Twitter, but I know Alyssa's name. But they are always great. They're always supportive. Uh, go follow them on Twitter. Uh, Lola Crisp is her handle, and uh, Crispy Hurricane is um, his uh, handle. They are two fun people who love horror films, uh, and I love interacting with them on Twitter. And just again, great people all around. So go check them out. Um, also, if you don't watch Joe Bob on uh shutter you need to go watch joe bob on shutter even though he did cannibal uh cannibal holocaust and i i I did not sit through that one this weekend um (laughs) it's not it's not even a good movie Uh, in my opinion well they did a they did a uh um host segment only version of the movie because like a lot of people can't watch it because of the turtle um because it's live, actual animal violence. Yeah. So it's like, that's one of the things where I'm like... Uh, Honestly, Green Inferno did that type of movie. I did, I did, did, survive, movie I did survive Green Inferno, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, definitely go check out Last Drive-In on Shudder. Um, it's not paid promotion or anything like that, but go not, check it out. It's always good. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe one of these days when we get five <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but all right, guys, we'll see you next time. We'll alert you if there's any new episodes that we do during this break. Um, have a good one.